Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, welcome to the Great Women in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. We are also sponsored by Corporate Compliance Insights. We are here at the SECE conference and really, really excited to have two additional people doing our roundtable. Both are great women in compliance. Um, can we go ahead and introduce the rest of the panel? Sure. I'm Amy Bernard-Bond. I'm an executive coach for legal and compliance executives, fellow at the Institute of Coaching Harvard and a leadership columnist for Compliance Week. Happy to be here. I'm Ellen Hertz. I'm the Senior Vice President, Audit and Ethics and Compliance Officer for AARP. And my thanks to Lisa and Mary for having me today. Thank you so much. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll start right now by talking about um, all of us have uh, have or are speaking at the uh, at the conference, and we'd really like uh, to each talk about one of the panels. Mary, do you want to start by talking about one of your panels? Sure. Thanks, Lisa, and thank you to Amy and Ellen for being with us today. So I am doing a session immediately after we finish recording the podcast on cultures of integrity. Um, and the, the reason why I selected that one is that in 2016, CEB, which is now Gartner, interviewed, uh, sorry, surveyed a number of companies and asked them what the primary goal of their compliance programs were. And for the majority of companies, it was to build a corporate culture of integrity. And I wanted to write an article about this. So I asked my peers what it is that they were doing specifically to embed a culture of integrity into the DNA of their business. And what I was hearing was, oh, um, yeah, that one's easy, Mary. We do a compliance fair every year, or we hold a compliance week. Now, the reason why I was, was, was curious to, to do more work into this is that my view is that compliance weeks or compliance fairs are not um, a, a great builder of culture. And the reason for that is that they're a one-off event that happens throughout the year. I consider them to be an advocacy and outreach event, which is essentially part of your communications plan for compliance. And, um, and, and what I was looking for were initiatives that um, are reinforce and are repetitive um, to, to get that culture of integrity flowing throughout the business. Um, so, in terms of the um, key takeaways for the session, um, I wanted to um, make sure that people um, have some practical ideas that they can take away with them immediately after attending the conference and implement them within their own companies and, um, and have people um, think about how compliance fairs or weeks are fantastic, um, but they're unlikely to markedly affect culture. And second um, takeaway is that there are several initiatives that can be implemented to help embed a culture of integrity into the DNA of the business without spending a fortune on it. That sounds great. Um, I know that I know that I have been there last year, and I'm looking forward to seeing it um, again. And, uh, <laughs> and Ellen, why don't we go next to you? Well, I'm always amazed, really, at such affinity and connection with these conferences. It's just, I, I, I stepped back and thought, 
about the first one that I ever attended. And there was maybe two or 300 people. And now look at how the profession has grown and matured and become more sophisticated. And I think about the key takeaways. And for me, the theme that just seems to keep popping into my head is just about relationships. Whether that's relationships within your organization or your network with your colleagues, but um, taking the time to build those relationships that are meaningful to you, that help you in your career, that provide you with information is always a good investment. Okay. Um, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about um, our session yesterday, Mary's and mine, and it follows along with what um, Ellen was just saying, because part of my network, and I think our, our the women in this room has become part of the, this podcast. Um, Mary and I came up with this. It's, like, it's our one-year anniversary of the idea today Congratulations. Um, and of our first interview for the podcast. And it really has, for us, it was such an unknown experience that built something. And to be able to talk about it and share it, not just in terms of the network, but also in terms of what it's done with our careers and also with, um, you know, with the community, um, with growth, with the ability to actually get on one of these things and to be a speaker has been fantastic. And we had the opportunity to share it in a room. Um, the second thing that I really found that was kind of an unexpected surprise for me while doing that particular presentation is often at these conferences, you're talking about some really, for us, hard topics that we think about all day, all the time. Um, justice guidelines, global issues, FCPA, and just those are some of the biggies. To go in there and kind of talk about something that was a little lighter and kind of fun and has become a little more, in, you know, aspirational and kind of joke around about things that went wrong and also what's gone right, I think was kind of a nice break almost halfway through the conference. So that part I, I thought was significant. Amy? My session? For your session. Yeah, so my session is today at 11.30, and I'm speaking on change management. Change management is something that I think a lot of compliance officers learn on the job. Uh, if they're lucky, they, they have some pounding in it, but I don't find that most don't. Um, and so I've aggregated all the great change management theories out there and just pulled it down to five steps to share with people. Um, you know, compliance officers leading such huge initiatives, it's really important to me that they do it right. There's nothing worse than spending a lot of money and time and effort in learning that it wasn't implemented successfully or thoroughly. Um, and it's really important to appreciate that change causes anxiety in our organization. So whenever we're changing anything new, we're causing anxiety. And we really, as compliance officers, need to learn how to be the guide by their side in terms of the business and leading them through the change curve. And when people do that, when I follow the five steps that Virginia and I are going to go over this afternoon, they do two wonderful things. One is they reduce anxiety in the organization. And second is they accelerate the speed of adoption. And that's a beautiful thing because you can never eliminate the effect of change. It's impossible, but you can reduce the anxiety and you can accelerate the speed at which something's adopted if you change them properly. So that's what I'm excited about sharing this afternoon. Thanks. Um, and our second, our next question is really um, for Ellen and Amy, because this is an area that they spend a lot of time in, which is critically important, which is um, boards of directors. Um, Ellen, I know in your case, the board chair spoke on two panels, one with you and one with a different focus uh, with some others. Um, you know, I was just wondering a little bit about, A, about the, your work in the panels and also the focus about women in, on boards. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with you, Ellen. Yeah, I was very fortunate that uh, our board chair for AARP, Joan Ruff, 
took the time to uh, be here and speak on the panel. And while we didn't really focus on women in general, um, I think what you have is a very strong woman leader who's shown you how she succeeded uh, and how not only did she have a successful career, but she went from the, being the audit chair to the board chair. Uh, and um, it was very gracious of her to take the time to do that. Um, and it gets back to that kind of that theme of relationships. You need to build them up, down, and around. You can never have too many friends. And um, you need to constantly be thinking about where you can build them and how you can make them stronger. Yes. Amy? Yeah, I appreciate what Joan said, the expectation of her board of when reading materials at the time. I was like, when she came in, she really did a good job in supporting you as a compliance officer and making sure that it was a discussion and a dialogue, not a monologue. That's what I loved about that session. And what about, you've done a fair amount of work um, about boards and women in boards. I mean, is there anything from recent work that you want to share right now? Gosh, it's just been, uh, yeah, I testified in support of SB 826, which is the first law in the country to mandate that corporate boards add a seat for a woman if there's not already a woman on board. And there's a step increase um, by 2021. There'll be up to three or more women if a board has six or more people. Um, so we've seen a lot of movement. It's been exciting to be a part of that. Institutional investors have been very much in support because they they see the tie between profitability and lower risk when there are women on boards. Um, I think it's a healthy thing from a governance standpoint because we all know that boards can get too cozy with the CEO. And when that happens, it's not good for compliance. So we've seen um, plenty of episodes where things could have been prevented with the right board and the most qualified board was was in place. Um, the typical thing with the movement is a lot of the public assumes that the boards that are already there are doing a great job and they really don't know whether they are or not. You just see the scandals that they come out. So it's been exciting to be a part of that and to help out Washington State with their movement and take this opportunity to not only get more parity on, on boards. Uh, we're about 20% now, but Europe is way ahead of us. Um, and uh, start leveraging the talent pool that's out there because we know based on the numbers, 56% of women college graduates, 57% in the workforce, 51 um, enrolled, but uh, we're going 20% of talent on the table and um, no business has a strategy like that that I'm aware of in terms of talent management. <laughs> so, so it's an exciting time. That's great. The next thing, Mary, I'm going to and go over to you for a sure. minute. Well, and I'm ask everybody the question and share. So what has been one of the highlights of the, the conference for you thus far? Thanks, Lisa. I've put two down. I'm going to be brief. Um, <laughs> so um, the first has been meeting some of my online connections and getting to know them better and, and cementing some of those relationships. Um, and the second one was being told by an attendee of our Great Woman in Compliance session yesterday um, that a story I shared moved her to tears and inspired her. So I couldn't have asked for more than that. I, it's just the opportunity to be able to connect with old friends and meet new friends, mm -hmm. which I just, I just value the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the, the same thing. And in terms of one of the other things that was interesting is that one of uh, the um, former podcast uh, guests um, she was saying that she met somebody who said that he had listened to her podcast and it helped her you know, find, a you know, find a job that she really wanted and focus. And that was great. I mean, the other part that's always really interesting is for me this year, 
is seeing, um, you know, every year there's some things that are similar and different, and perhaps part of it is from not being in Las Vegas after the past year. But with the change in SEC leadership, leadership as a whole, I was very interesting to see some of the things that are the whole the holdovers that we really enjoy from other years, and also see some of the changes and watching as both the the group here gets larger as Ellen said and evolving, and at the same time seeing some of the new ideas and other you know, um, you know, new board, board members and others bringing contributions to the, the conference as a whole. I thought it was a, a really nice blend of substantive and, you know, first and foremost, you know, seeing friends and colleagues that I don't get to see in person year in and out. I'm just looking forward to continuing networking at each session. I meet nice people and exchange cards to get a nice range all across the world, really, in terms of what people are doing. So I think, you know, the, the, the last thing is, you know, we've been talking a bit about networking and one of the best things here really is that opportunity. Um, all of us at this point are conference veterans. Um, and for those listening after the conference, um, you know, what tips do you have for something that people will go to next or for being at this or one of the other large conferences um, to, to best maximize their experience? Mary, we'll start again with you. Sure. Going around the table, around the round <laughs> table. <laughs> um, so I, I would pinch this idea from Christy Grant Hart, which is, you know, to manage your expectations. Don't go out there shelling out business cards. Go to a conference with the aim of establishing an authentic and genuine connection with one person that you feel is like your spirit animal and, um and work on that relationship so that it's something that you can continue into the future rather than just a superficial um, meet and greet of someone that you may potentially never see again. So um, thank you, Christy Grunhart, um, one of our great women in compliance for sharing that one with me. Uh, I think that is a great one for managing expectations. So I think one of the things that we need to focus on when we network is it's about give and take. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can collect as many cards and take as many contacts, but if you're not going to give back mm -hmm. in a meaningful way, that relationship is never going to be anything more than a card on the Rolodex. Mm -hmm. uh, and what you really do want to do is build those relationships. So um, key to this is you've got to listen to people. Mm -hmm. What do they need? What do they want? How can you help them? And when you help somebody, they're going to help you back. So, um, you know, as you listen to folks and you think about, well, I know some resource or I know somebody else or I've done something that may be of interest to them. So how do you, how do you help people? How do you give them another step up uh, in, on the staircase in their career? I would say that I'd also say, look at, you get a lot, meet people that you find interesting, even if that, you know, just because you like them. I mean, you know, they may, what you're working on might or might not be the same. If somebody's like a great speaker, talk to them. If someone seems like they'd be a fun person to meet, do that. Um, you, you never know. I mean, I, I can say when I first went to the SCCE in Chicago four years ago, where I knew no one, I did not go to any events. I you know, kind of walked around with my, and the first five people I met were trying to sell me things. <laughs> um, it, it was true. I mean, it was kind of like, you felt like, you know, really like a rookie. Um, and I remember I went to several panels, but I went to Mary's and I truly enjoyed it. And, it. and it was the first, you know, afterwards I was like, this was just really interesting. And I was, she was in Asia at the time and I was trying to learn more about that. And, you know, I was, I, I joked about it, but it became my first compliance friend. It wasn't this 
okay, this is a strategic relationship that I'm building. It was, this is an interesting, you know, this is an interesting subject and a, an interesting person I'd like to know. And I think people often use the word networking in a very formal way. Mm. And, and it's just building your community. It's a, people that enjoy things like, and as I say a lot, it's not this frequent that you get to talk about the subject of compliance that you're so passionate about every day with this many people. I say it all the time. It's not like my family's, you know, excited to, you know, talk about some of these things. Um, and they really have a lot of patience for me. So that's one of the tips I would. I always look at the conference schedule ahead of time and speakers and I reach out on LinkedIn with personal notes to people that I like to connect with. Mm-hmm. By the time I get to the conference, they already know who I am and I go up to the next session and ask them, you know, what their goals are and how I can help them and get some great conversations from that. Um, and also I go to the networking events uh, early, try to get there on time because you have a lot better conversations with only a few people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of great people that way that I might have not otherwise but just get slammed after that and it's people getting on little, little, you know, big kinds of conversations that can be harder to hop in to make people. So this is events and I just always plan dinners and cocktails and things just to catch up with people I do know and add on people that I haven't met before. So I think with that, um, I don't know if anyone has any you know, closing remarks about the conference or going forward and again, I'll go by the table. I'll do it the opposite direction now. Maybe we'll start with you and we'll... Yeah, I've, it's been a great conference and I was happy to be here and get to reconnect with so many people. Ellen? Yeah, I just, I remain inspired by all of the people who do this work. I think it's it's terribly important what these people do each and every day. And um, I get I get inspired when I look and see so many folks who are dedicated to ethics and compliance. And um, my thanks to the SEC for continuing to do what they do and bring so many people together. Uh, and thanks to everybody who attended and connected and um, is continuing to make this profession more mature and make more of an impact on all of our organizations. For me, I think this is a, a true situation of the more you put into something, the more you get out of it. So when you make an effort to attend a lot of the events that are available to you, when you reach out to people and make friends with them, um, you'll then start uh, being included in, in lots of other activities that are a part of this whole conference bonanza and so I have really enjoyed um, I'm an introvert um, very much by nature um, but every night um, that that we're here for the conference um, I've made plans um, exclusively with compliance people and just to be clear I do have friends outside of the industry Um, (laughs) um, for me I get really excited about the opportunity it's long days it's long nights it's tiring um, but it's an investment that I think you make into the conference. And I personally come out feeling so fulfilled, not only with the new substantive ideas that I've learned during the sessions, but also um, the bonding, the communication, um, and the enjoyment of socializing with colleagues from other companies. And I mean, I think you all have really covered it um, better than I could. But again, thank you all for taking the time as we are all so busy during the conference. And just thank you all for being some of my inspirations and, as I would say, sponsors. Um, and uh, on behalf of Mary, um, this is Lisa Fine, um, Great Women in Compliance podcast, and a special thanks right now to Sarah Haddon, another great woman in compliance who's been sponsoring us and, and having a webpage for us, and, of course, the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.